Hello, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping family businesses thrive. My name is Ross Hayworth, and each week I will share insights and experiences to help you to navigate the complexities that can come from being in business with your family. You will also hear directly from family businesses who have been kind enough to share their own stories. As ever, I am grateful for the support of my good friends over at the Institute for Family Business. The IFB support family businesses in overcoming their challenges and help them build lasting legacies, something that we have a shared passion for. You can find out more about their work by heading over to ifb.org.uk. Right, let's get on with this week's show. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Family Business Podcast. I'm really happy today to be joined by Bobby Stover, who has joined us from, is it Dallas you're in, Bobby? Yeah, Dallas, Texas, yeah, in the United That's States. Fantastic. And I'll let you introduce yourself to our audience in just a second, but just to give the headlines, Bobby is the private uh, family office leader for um, Ernst & Young. Uh, as we said, based over in Dallas. Bobby, perhaps you could give us uh, a bit more of an overview of your sort of career today and, and how you came to be doing what you're doing now. Yeah, it's a it's an eclectic path is what I'd say, Russ. So I'm a, a U.S. tax partner in a public accounting firm by trade. So I've been in public accounting 27 years, several flavors of firm. What I'd say, the reason I came to be where I'm at is curiosity around, around family. So I come from a large family. I have six brothers and sisters. And as you grew up as a tax professional, what you'd say is you had really technical stuff that was really great for families. And then that didn't matter because family dynamics and all of that got was a part of what had to happen for things to do that. So early on in my career, I did big corporate stuff. And then Midway through my career, I said, I really enjoy working with owners, their families and, and around their businesses and investments. And then, you know, based on what I just described, that sounds like a family office if, if you think mm-hmm. about it. So yeah. and, and it was more interesting. I, I, what I was describing before was dealing with wealth transition. But what you really learned was, you know, vision and legacy, leadership, ownership of the assets mattered as much as the, as the technical wealth transfer. So came to EY in 2012. And then was fortunate enough in 2014 to be asked to head up what was our America's family office practice. We have a practice that focuses exclusively on supporting single family offices, mm-hmm. you know, with building their legacy long term. So that's just a little bit about how I got here. I still still do a little bit of tax on the side, but mm-hmm. spend a lot more time with families and, and on dynamics and, and interesting things. Great. And the topic of um, today's conversation is going to be you know, what are the key um, areas that are impacting family offices um, at the moment? We're, we're still in the midst of the coronavirus crisis. There's a, a saying when it comes to family offices that if you've seen one family office, you've seen one family office. But, but that said, are there some common um, sort of challenges that you're seeing the family offices that you're working with are having to tackled that perhaps I don't know many people who would have had a, a global pandemic in their business plan but perhaps hadn't had this sort of anticipated and are having to deal with this now going forward yeah so I think it really I think you know we're, we're so far along now from from March and you know we're, we're into October now so most of the early things that people had to deal with have been dealt with right so 
getting digital, getting virtual, moving into that environment. So there were some people that were well tested and had plans to do it. Uh And there were some people, uh, we had several family offices that were taking laptops and not laptops, desktop computers and monitors out of, out of, out of their office. But, you know, people quickly, we even had one family office that their IT director started on the day the pandemic started. Right. So talk about, talk about, (laughs) talk about jumping into the fire. What I would say now is what family offices are, are dealing with are a couple of things. One, how do we keep our people engaged in a virtual environment where we were small teams anyway? Uh-huh. Number two, how do we think about keeping our family engaged, right? So there's, you know, as we know, there's fatigue with being online and I'm working 24 seven and, and, or, you know, I roll out of bed, roll on my desk, roll back to bed, uh-huh. those kind of things. So, so I think it really is around the human element, which I think we're seeing come up now in a number of places, uh-huh. um, especially in the U.S. As you see, uh, everybody in the U.S. wants to get back to normal. They're going out and doing things that maybe aren't the best during the lockdown. But, you know, there's this human element that's going on. I think that's the biggest challenges that offices are having both internally for their operations, but, but with their family groups as well. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a, a lot been made of the, the comment that we're, uh, far more of us are now working from home. Um, perhaps another way to, to phrase that is we're now living at work because uh, a lot of our work time is spent at our uh, homes where, you know, there used to be that separation for, for many of us. You mentioned about the human aspect and that, that there are those um, kind of challenges that are happening. Are you, are you seeing any differences in the way that different generations within the family offices are reacting to what's going yeah. on at the moment. So again, I think what the current environment does is it, it, it accelerates change, right? And, and I think everybody agrees that it accelerates change. So right now, if you think about the young people, there, there are really three groups. So the millennials are up to 35, 19 to 35. And then you have Gen Z, which is nine to 19. So the 19 year olds are in school entering the, entering the workforce. And then you've got this other group. The millennials are now split into two different groups, older millennials and younger millennials. And then you have Gen Z. So if you're managing that group, I mean, it, it, it's like one generation. If you think about a family, it's about 10 years worth or 15 years worth of people. But the dynamics of each one of those is very different. So the way they want to interact with the world, the way they want to do things. So one, they want to do things collaboratively. They want to, they want to work together. Number two, they want things highly customized to themselves. Right. So if we put it in two contexts inside the family office, if I'm operating an office, it's how do I keep those younger people engaged and connected and feel that they're being trained? Uh We're in a digital economy. You know, EY is investing a lot of money in digital assets and and the future of AI and those types of things. If you're in an office and you're a professional there, how am I going to get trained and keep up to speed? Where before the pandemic, I probably thought I had a lot more time. And now that we've accelerated that change. Right. So how do I keep that staff and keep them engaged uh-huh. for the family member? If I'm a family office and I have young family members that I'm trying to engage with, it's the same challenges we're seeing in schools and other places. So if I want them to engage with me around their assets and the things that the family cares about, I now have to do that in a digital world. Uh-huh. But now how do I think about creative interactions that are different, that, that engage them? So some of the things are, you know, can we gamify things? Can we think about using video games or digital or, or other consumption to be able to do it? The other thing is that group wants to learn right now in real time, right? They don't want to read a book. They don't like lectures. Yeah. So the older generation is having to adapt and change. And that younger generation is, is pushing that change. 
Mm. And again, in terms of the dynamic side of things where the younger generation are pushing the the change and the more senior generation are perhaps a bit more reluctant or reticent to, to see that, that's something that it can be present or is typically present within family business and family office anyway. And it can be a source of friction and potential conflict. But but given where we are in the fact that there, there isn't much in the way of alternatives because of the situation we're in, how well, have you think, seen that play out? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting in the US. So the guidelines we're following and thinking about are very different because of the size of our organization. So a lot of the family offices that I would say are more senior, they're back in their offices. Right. They're doing testing, they've social distanced, but they're back in the office because they feel that's important um, to their culture. So we're seeing that the offices that are newer and younger, kind of more, you know, I'd say West Coast US, more technology focused. They're thinking, do I really need to go back in the office or could I run as a virtual office long term with the right interactions in place? And then, and I think we're going to end up, I think we're going to end up somewhere in the middle, Mm. but offices that are still controlled by senior generations, we've seen a lot of those open and we've seen a lot of those have, have staff back in the office very safely, but again, it's smaller staff and and they're not in big high rises and they kind of own their own buildings. They have, they, they do testing because they have the wherewithal and the money to do testing on on their, on their folks. Uh So I I think it's yet to be seen, but I think the new reality is going to be, we're not going to need as much brick and mortar and we can think about things differently, especially around large cities. The other issue is in the larger cities, if I had people that commuted into say downtown Chicago or downtown New York on public transportation, would I rather they work from home remotely? Mm-hmm. And only come in once in a while. And so that says, well, my footprint could be a lot less from a real estate perspective. Yeah. And, and over here in the UK, we had a, a survey recently that said something along the lines of 70% of businesses are expecting to have work from home as a much more common practice now, which would, would echo that sort of uh, drop in demand for, for office space, um, so, to, so to speak. I think the other interesting thing there is if you think about it, your talent pool just grew. Mm. So if you were a family office and, and pre-COVID, there was a talent war where we were at full employment. And I think I, I think I, I, when we were preparing for this, I think I told you it was the first time in my career in public accounting, I actually had people um, calling to come back to public accounting, right, around this digital training. So they left to go to a family office and they said, hey, I want to come back and, and, and up my skill set. Uh-huh. But in this virtual working world, I don't have to worry whether, you know, the person lives in my community. If I can get comfortable with virtual, my talent pool just grew mm-hmm. out in, into other cities and parts of the country for talent that I may think is important to my team. Yeah. And, and that in itself will bring different challenges to family offices, won't it? Because whereas historically, if you are in one location, you have a degree of control and security over what goes on within that, that office. And you know, people working from home or or perhaps more sparsely um, spread, it can have different uh, implications for family offices in in that scenario, can't it? Yeah, I think if we think of digital security and the call we're on now, how secure is it? I also think, you know, I'm in my home office. So if you were a family office client and my daughters are walking by and we're having Mm -hmm. a conversation about something highly private. So I think there are those elements of privacy that people are going to continue to struggle with. And I think Mm -hmm. some of the offices that said we want to get back in the office as early as we can. It was a real privacy issue. And, and only what I can see, I can control once it's outside that environment. And so I think internet security and, and secure portals and secure data transfer, 
you're going to see more attacks on that and you're going to see the technology improve greatly as well. You know, test taking. So the other thing is during this environment, you know, people take, you know, the, the, the bar exam or they take the CPA exam in the United States or they, or they, they take the LSAT to get into law school. Uh-huh. They now have technology on the computers that they monitor everything, they lock everything out, you know, so you start to go to like a clean room at home concept. So we'll see where that goes. But it's an interesting question around digital and privacy, which a lot of people form that family office to increase that privacy and that security around the family and the assets they own. Mm. And we mentioned it at the uh, sort of top of the show around the the sort of fast, really fast acceleration in terms of adoption of digital technology would have happened around March time when we we were forced into lockdown and the, the challenges that that brought. But, but what we're now seeing already, what we're seeing is in terms of a further advancement on these digital um, platforms. We're using Zoom right now, and I know they've had many, many updates over the course of the um, summer to, to bring them up to speed with that. And, and we're going to see technology adapting to what it's termed the new normal. I don't know how the new normal, you know, I think that's going to be different shades for, for different people as well, but that, that, technology shift is happening alongside the change in our um, demands, isn't it? And, and, and that's something that family offices will need to, to bear in mind and, and play a part in. Yeah. I, and I think we know that digital technology on your phone is, you know, what, 12 years old. Yeah. I mean, it's scary to think that it's only, I mean, that's a very short period of time. And, and a lot of people are growing up with this is a more powerful computer than the computer we're talking on now. So I think the what we were seeing before is the digital demand is that next generation, that Gen Z, Gen Y wants to consume in that, in that digital platform. Everything should come through, be seen to me, shown to me through that platform. So I think what you'll see is you may see some technologies leapfrog other technologies. So as an example, when things used to be in the server room and if you had financial reporting to do, those systems were cumbersome, they didn't have good workflows, and, and that was the technology issue. It wasn't that they weren't good systems. Now that we have the cloud and we have AI, the systems that are coming online that are brand new have all the things that we think about in the digital world, workflow, everything integrated, everything talking to each other, which before in your server room, if you think about it, was very hard to do. So if you're on an old system, very hard to adapt. If you never had a system, you can plug in the new system and go faster. And looking for new technologies that could be transformative in, in this environment. So I, I think it's, I think you're going to see some incredibly interesting investments in different technologies as we finish out this year and head into next year and the next several years. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You mentioned about the, the um, challenge around keeping staff engaged with the family office for those that perhaps aren't back into to their workplaces and back amongst their, their colleagues. What are some of the ways that, that that can be made easier? Because it is, it's going to be a challenge, not just for family offices, but many businesses who are having to deal with remote working and, you know, just keeping morale high and keeping the communication um, happening. There, there's lots that technology can do, but what, what else is there that, that um, they could be looking at to help in that area? Yeah, I, th- I think it, w- one thing is I'd say engage your young people, right? So, you know, I'm a little bit so a little bit older. I still have some paper here on the desk. It's, mm-hmm. it's not really digital. What we found even in EY and in the family offices is when we've engaged that next generation, they have creative ideas for how to engage in this environment. Whether it's a virtual environment, a virtual happy hour, a virtual lunch break, you know, things that make you feel connected even though, even though you're on video. And then 
the gamify thing. I mean, everybody likes games, right? Mm-hmm. Even, you know, even if you don't play sports or you don't, you know, there's something about competing or something about that, that, that kind of, so finding ways that say, Hey, there's, there's an outcome here and I'm not just here to listen. But what, what I'd say is the young people have had the best ideas. They've been living in this environment on their phones and on their laptops and everything for such a long time that they've come up with the most creative ideas for how to, how to, how to make it interesting and how to engage. Yeah. And I think that's typified by what you were saying with the, the fact that the technology around smartphones has been around for, for 12 years. For, for a lot of the younger generation, that's their entire sort of teenage and adult life. So it's something that they've grown up being entirely used to as, as an absolute norm. Whereas people of a, an older generation can still remember when the iPhone came out and were mesmerized by it. And, you know, the shift in change from, from the buttons to, to this uh, amazing screen was, was incredible. And it is such a short time ago, really, if, if you think about it. But that pattern is going to continue to emerge with technologies as people who are just used to dealing with it rather than it being a huge change. And so utilizing that within the business within the family office is is going to put them at an advantage yeah i think i think the one thing i i would see an acceleration in is if we think about it you know the virtual ai room where i can you know those were starting to accelerate and it was more games you know hey i can put on goggles and feel Mm -hmm. like i'm in a virtual reality room ey had these centers called wave spaces where we would bring people into a room that had a lot of screens and in touch to have a better experience. And in there, we had some of the, the, the virtual cameras to, to do things. I think that may be the next way, if that technology accelerates, where you feel the tactile being together without actually you know, having to physically be together. And, and I think for collaboration, if you think about it, the thing I've heard the most is, it's better if we're all in a room and we can do a whiteboard and, and move around, mm-hmm. which is different than even if I do a whiteboard on this computer. So yeah. That's the place where I think we'll see as things head towards your end on vaccines and all that. But uh-huh. I, I think we'll see some some real acceleration in people making investments into that to continue to feel connected. Yeah. And, and that's a really exciting kind of outcome, if you like, of we're obviously against a backdrop of, of some bad news. It, we're not making light of the fact that there's a, a global pandemic, but it does force human ingenuity to do its best. And, and that kind of advances in, in technology in that way, which were kind of on the radar, like we say, it was, was stuff that might be five, six years down the line is now five or six months down the line because of this need for acceleration on that side of things. Right. And then, and then I think we will balance back over time. Mm. We are human animals. There's been lots of studies. Uh, people are talking about that. And I think it just may be different in the way we think and interact. I don't, I don't think the human element will ever go away from this. Mm-hmm. And I think even before the pandemic, we were seeing that with the next gen that they wanted that one-on-one attention. They wanted a customized program to themselves. So if there were 20, you know, generation threes in a family office or a family business, we can't all be taught the same. Mm-hmm. We all need to, we all need to think differently. So the, the way they consume. So, you know, offices using videos that are consumed at night. I keep coming back to gamify, but if I wanted to give you, if I wanted you to do something, make it interesting and, and fun for me. So I think that will con- continue to evolve and, and programs will continue to evolve around mm. that. And we've talked about keeping staff engaged within the um, family office side of things. And that that's one element because effectively people are being paid to, to do a job. So that it's kind of part of that responsibility is to do their part on remaining engaged as well. 
what are you seeing with members of family offices? So family members who perhaps don't have the necessity to work or don't have that relationship with their family office where it is, you know, a day-to-day thing, keeping them engaged given what's going on in the world, given how much is going on in the world. How are family yeah, offices keeping... Yeah, that, that's an interesting question because the pandemic didn't make that any easier. Yeah. And, and family offices were always thinking about how do I engage the next generation, right? How do, how do I get them to understand what the family office does for them, what the value is and engage with them? So a couple of things. One is redefining purpose of the office. So what is the, what is the purpose of the office? What does the senior family generations want and how do they want that communicated? And then what we've seen is the family offices that are deliberate around a true education program. So think of not just financial education, which we all think of, but social, human, and intellectual capital, those three things are really important to that next generation. So as you think about programs that can enhance those items in people's lives, and, and, and it's hard, right? So you, you need to think about that. You need to partner with other education partners and other people who can think about that differently with you. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing is those other three elements, social, human, and intellectual, are as important as, as financial education. And, and by curating all of those, that can create more cohesion in a family. But you have to be de- you have to be deliberate about it. Yeah. Um, and, and that was happening before the pandemic. Yeah. In the pandemic, you just have a new challenge to think about how to continue to develop that. Absolutely. And outside of the pandemic, both the, the UK and the US, um, which of uh, the countries we're speaking from, are facing periods of quite high levels of sort of social unrest, if you like. I'm not necessarily meaning that it's high, but it's certainly more publicised that there's these, these elements of, of social unrest. And traditionally speaking, family offices kind of are kept completely separate from, from that because it's not something they necessarily want to become involved in. But is it something that is just in the background? Is it something that needs to be factored into to how they're operating? I, I think all families think about risks, right? So I would just put this in a, in a bucket of risk. Mm-hmm. You have financial risk, you have social risk, you have political uncertainty risk, you have regulatory uncertainty risk. And so if you, if you think about the unrest and, there, and there's, gonna be, there's gonna be different views across uh, an environment. If the reason you created your family office was for privacy, and, and, and not that you were trying to hide things from the government, but privacy and that you're a very humble family and the things you do to impact your community are impactful, but you don't, you don't celebrate them. You want to stay quiet. Uh-huh. In an environment like this, it can feel like you're not saying enough. But if you look at the culture of that, the, the idea was to do the things behind the scenes and be humble and quiet. So I think what's happening is there needs to be a dialogue about those who want to be active and really a dialogue about what the culture was and what the values are. Uh-huh. Um, and, and the two need to match up. And I think what we're finding is the, the values are aligned. It's just going about how do, you, how do you enact those values? And some people may say we, we need to have a voice and we need to be out in front. And some people may say, no, we don't. We need, we need to be quiet because that's what we've always done. And, uh-huh. and that's been successful for us. So, it, so I think it's more about family culture. And I do know, you know, from my own experience, you know, I have two millennial daughters that that group feels very empowered. I think the other thing is the phone's 12 years old. What it means is information is instantaneous. Yeah. And, and a lot of times inaccurate or a lot of times there are multiple versions, right? Uh-huh. We've all seen different videos where you're like, wow, that I didn't, I didn't know that. So th- the biggest thing I think is 
trying to find a way to, to filter through that and, and have a common dialogue around it. Uh-huh. And the people that are doing that are, are being successful, like yeah. having courageous conversations, being able to engage in it and being able to acknowledge that not everybody understands it. Uh-huh. So if I summarize core values of the family are key, engaging in the dialogue is important. And I, I think the stability of that will, will come back in if we can start having those types of things, but that, you know, that's even broader than family office or family business. Yeah, and absolutely. I know you're probably seeing it in the UK, the, you know, a lot of the family companies are going to lead, help lead out of, out of the pandemic. So are family offices by making capital investments in, uh-huh. in emerging markets and, and other businesses. So, yeah. you know, beyond that, I don't have a, <laughs> you know, it, it's one that, that that's highly charged for us. And, yeah. <laughs> um, but like I said, family values, you know, and if we were private, let's be private. And then there are other families that say, Hey, we ought to be right in the fray and, and let's get active. Yeah. And, and that comes back to, to, I think the key phrase you use there is in terms of dialogue uh, and linking that back into what we're saying about keeping family members engaged, having that dialogue around the purpose of the family office, the purpose of the wealth, what is it that we're trying to actually achieve with this? Let's have these regular conversations around these kind of topics it helps to engage those that perhaps weren't previously engaged and and perhaps to help them without trying to sound patronizing, help them understand what impact they can have with the wealth that's being generated through the family office to to help certain causes, be that in a public manner or be that in a private manner, whichever suits the um, family's values and and viewpoints. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great point, Russ. And I think as you think about it in a lot of family offices, you have technical people, accountants or attorneys or whatever, what we're finding too is a trend to client service people. Uh-huh. So if you think about a client service person from a bank or another institution, that their, their skill sets are different than say the person doing the general ledger. So thinking about who are the people you want to engage with your family members and should you think about you know client service arm of your family office at the appropriate age levels to do uh-huh. this, you know, based on what you said, how, how can I get involved? And I think going back to that mission, I think a lot of times there's confusion on what am I empowered to do and what am I not empowered to do, right? So it's disingenuous to say to a next gen, hey, do you want to be involved? But they really don't have any power over it. And they really uh-huh. don't have any decision making. Yeah. Um, so, so I think families need to think about that. If, you know, if I'm going to ask you to be involved, am I really going to let you be involved and feel like you have some control and decision making ability? Or am I really just asking you to come along and learn from me? Uh-huh. Those are two very, those are two very different models. Yeah. And so I think being very clear around that can help with the engagement. If I feel I own it, then I, I tend to get more engaged than if I feel I don't own it. Got it. And uh, oftentimes when it comes to things like family business or family office, when, when you're dealing with the family system and, and the, the emotions and the dynamics that comes along with that, they can be quite tricky conversations to have in that sort of private environment where it's just the family involved. But equally, it can be very intimidating to think I need to bring somebody else in to help me have these conversations. And again, getting that balance right can, can be, be tough at times. But presumably, these are the sorts of conversations that you help families to have in order to be able to make those decisions and, and, and push themselves forward. Yeah, I, I think so. our point of view after working with families for a very long time at you know, EY, you know, we have our Entrepreneur of the Year and, and we celebrate entrepreneurship and family business is you need to think about the family and the business 
as, as a dual system. Uh-huh. We need to make sure the family's healthy and we also need to make sure the business is healthy. And if we think family office, that's the investments or, or what we do. Oftentimes those two things are put together, which causes confusion, uh-huh. right? So if I have a healthy family, all the things we're talking about, appropriate boundaries, education, looking at social human and, and other investment in my education. And then we look at the other side, the investment arm, what's our wealth used for? How are we going to preserve that wealth? What is it? How is it impacting the community? So I think we spend a lot of time supporting families to think about those two domains and how do you put a structure together that, that drives long-term success? And most importantly, how do you prepare the next leaders for that success, right? Just like any good business, a family office needs to prepare future family leaders and future oversight of the family office, who's going to lead the family office and who's going to lead the family yeah. and families that have been deliberate about that all over the world. You see the, the success they have and the, the harmony that they have. doesn't mean uh-huh. they don't have conflict and conflict, by the way, is not bad, Yeah. right? Healthy conflict or healthy tension creates growth uh-huh. and it's, it's setting up the framework to be able to do that. Yeah. And again, we said this at the, the kind of top of the show that if you've seen one family office, you've seen one family office and each family will be unique in its in its own way. But that doesn't mean that you can't learn from the experiences that other families and family offices, family businesses have been through. And again, bringing that kind of expertise to the table in order to learn from what others have done and sometimes learning from what they've done wrong so that you don't make those, those same mistakes is a really valuable process. Yeah. I, I like to call that the eyeglasses approach, Russ. I don't uh-huh. know if you wear eyeglasses or contacts, but even in today you sit in a chair and they go, does that look better? Does that look better? Does that uh-huh. look better? Um, so yeah, that doesn't mean that you have to implement what somebody else does, but you can uh-huh. look at it and say, does that look better or yeah. does that look better? And what we find is people say, Hey, I like that piece, but I don't like this piece. And I want to take this piece. And, and that's that's what it's all about. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. I'm just conscious of our um, time together um, today. Uh, and before we sort of conclude and, and let our audience know how to how they can get in touch and, f- and find out more about you, is is there one final thing that you would suggest um, as an, uh, an approach that you've seen work well with the family offices that you're working with, with how people are planning for next year and beyond given what's happened over the last nine months or so? Yeah, I think the first thing I'd say is, and what we've told people is pause, right? Pause and take inventory. And I think that's the number one thing is where are we? And when you do that, think with a growth mindset. Uh So don't think about what we didn't do or how bad that was. Look at it through the lens of what did we accomplish to get to here? And what do we need to accomplish to get to there? Uh-huh. I think that mindset is changing in the world where, you know, we all grew up and we all got reviews and grades and, and was rear view looking. And, and I think our advice to families is look at how far you've come in a short period of time and let's learn, take those lessons and see where we want to go and how quickly we can get there and really change that mindset that we're a growth organization, constantly improving and moving and not an organization that's waiting for change. Fantastic. Thank you. And just finally, where, where can our audience find out more about you? How do they get in touch with you? And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, they, they can, they can email us obviously. So it's easy. It's bobby.stover at ey.com. And also if you just wanted to search the web and you typed in EY family office, you'd go to our site with all of our stuff and things around family business or family enterprise. So 
if folks have follow-up questions, would love to, to hear from them, Russ. And I, I really want to thank you for giving me the, the time today. Uh, thank you for, for your time. It's been a, a fantastic chat. And we will put links up to all of those on our show notes. Um, and we'll be sharing it all over the social media world and all that kind of stuff. So people will be able to, to follow those links and, and get in touch with you. But for now, stay safe and we will speak to you soon. Thanks a lot, Russ. Bye-bye. I hope you found this episode useful. If you have, then why not share it with your family and see what they think? I work with families just like yours to help them to better understand the complexities that can come with being a family in business. So whether you're just starting out or heading into the umpteenth generation, if you feel that I could help, check out fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ and get in touch. Until next time, take care.